Good morning, everybody. Oh, there's like three of you. All right. Good morning, everyone. Much better. Hey, uh, thanks again for being at Faith. My name is Mike, one of the pastors on staff here. It's great to have you with us in the room today. It is great to have you with us online today. Uh, we are in the midst of a series that we've entitled Better Together. Uh, more on that in just a minute, but a uh, quick public service announcement. So uh, it's fall. Everybody's kind of like back from vacation, and the room is filling up a little bit more, which is a good thing. And uh, last week, you know, we're in the midst of worship set, and somebody's like, hey, you got to get more chairs in here. There's not enough room. And so we brought some more chairs in, and then everybody sat down. There was all this real estate in the front three rows, all right? You did better this week, all right? But I want to give you, I'm giving you permission. You can sit towards the front. In fact, if this is your church home, let me even ask you, please try and sit towards the front, because especially if somebody's new and their visitor, by the time they get in, get their bearings, you know, get their kids checked in. They're going to be coming in a little bit later and it can be really intimidating when the back is all full and you're trying to figure out where in the world am I going to sit and then you got to do the walk of shame, you know, and come up front here. So if you, if this is your church home, you can create some space for people, that would be great. All right, so we are in the, uh, the midst of the series, uh, Better Together, and we're just looking at the kind of impact that a culture of isolation can have on our lives, on our hearts, on our spirits. In fact, our tagline for this series has been that a little bit of solitude can be beneficial, but ongoing isolation will starve our souls. And, And we're looking at different areas where we are better together than we are alone. And so last week we talked about how we are better together with Jesus. That when we live in isolation from Jesus, that will bring spiritual death to bear on our lives. But that when we live together with Jesus, there is freedom, there is forgiveness, there is life. As we continue this week, we're going to talk about how we are better together on purpose. And so let's take a minute and pray and invite God to be part of this. Uh, James mentioned the the, the DR team. Uh, Please pray for the weather. Uh, They're talking about hurricanes and all that kind of fun stuff. And and I talked to Tammy and Hochi. I was like, isn't September hurricane season there? Like, no, 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 we're up in the mountains. It really doesn't impact us. We're going to see. <laughs> All right, so I'll be praying for the weather as well because I want to be able to get there. I don't mind if I get stuck there and don't get to come back as much, but uh, we want to be able to do good ministry there and not be hunkered down because we're dealing with hurricanes. So, Father, we just pray that you would have your hands on us today. Thank you for community. Thank you that we do not have to be alone and that we were meant to be. Fathers, we just explore again today another place where we're better together than we are by ourselves. We pray you would open our hearts and our minds to your truth. Father, we pray for for the team that's going to be in the DR next week, that you would create opportunities for that team to learn, for that team to be blessed and for that team to be a blessing to others as they serve. We pray for the weather, that you would uh, work the details of that out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, again, today we're talking about this idea that we're we're better together on purpose. So as we like to say here at Faith, we are better together when we're serving together. And as we try and unpack this idea today, we're going to look at a passage that the Apostle Peter wrote to the church throughout the ages. And, and as Peter's writing, he's writing to the church about how they should live in light of the fact that they are now are living in right relationship with God. 
He's like, hey, you've got this relationship with God based on Jesus. A Jesus who came, who lived, who died, who rose again, who is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And Peter's saying, hey, in light of that, you should live lives that are prayerful. Lives that are loving. Lives that are hospitable. Lives that are full of purpose and service. And then specifically about this idea of purpose and service, Peter writes this to the church then and to the church now. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. Now, we're going to spend all morning just on this little passage here that there's a ton packed into and try and mine as much out of that with the time we have together. And we're just going to kind of take it a piece at a time. So as Peter begins, he says, each of you, and just the responsible thing to ask ourselves is, who is the each of you that Peter's talking to? Well, again, Peter's writing to the church. So if you are here today, if you're watching online, and you are a follower of Jesus, you are the each of you that Peter's talking to. If you are a follower of Jesus, Peter's like, hey, I am speaking to you. What I'm about to say next, this applies to you. There's no getting out of this. Now, if you're here today, you're watching online, you're not a follower of Jesus. We love that you're here, but what Peter is saying is not speaking directly to you. Now, I I would encourage you to listen anyway, not only because I worked hard on this, but but there's wisdom for you and, and for your life in this, even if you aren't a follower of Jesus. But if you're a follower of Jesus, Peter's talking to you, because he begins with each of you. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me growing up, one of my favorite summer activities was a day at the Gross Point Shores community pool with Grandpa Bill and Grandma Sherry. Uh, my grandparents were residents of Gross Point, and once or twice a summer, they would have our family to that pool. For some reason, we called it Grandma Sherry's pool. Grandpa Bill lived there, too. I don't know why. It was always Grandma Sherry's pool, but it was Grandma Sherry's pool. I loved it massive pool, multiple diving boards. You can see Lake St. Clair, you know, from the pool, water pool. You can see the, the, the lake right there. The, you know, lunch out of the picnic basket and cooler, dinner on the grill. As a kid, I would go there. I'd run around. I'd swim. I'd dive until I was thoroughly exhausted and completely sunburned. Just growing up, it is among my favorite memories as a child. However, there was something about that pool that I did not like. At the 45-minute marker of each hour, the the, the lifeguards would get out their obnoxious whistles. They would blow them and instruct everybody under the age of 18 to get out of the pool. And then for the next 15 minutes, only adults could swim, only adults could dive, only adults could be in the water. I hated it. Not my younger siblings. They would, they would retreat to the showers and they would take a, in the locker rooms and take a 15-minute long hot shower without dad threatening to turn off the hot water in the house. Not me. I would sit on the pool deck frustrated, angry, just seething, just hoping that some physically debilitating, painful, marring ailment would strike the lifeguards. I was a bitter, angry child. I don't know, right? But then at the top of the hour, everything would change. Those lifeguards, they would blow their wonderful whistles. And they would declare, I'll swim. Say it with me. 
I'll swim. Oh, praise Jesus. Yes, yes, yeah. You know, so like I would jump into the pool, and as those wonderful chlorinated waves would wash over my skin, all would be good again because it was all swim. When Peter says each of you, he's, he's letting you know, if you are a follower of Jesus, this serving thing, it's an all swim. It's for all of us who are following Jesus. Now, true as this may be, this is something that the church today struggles with. Average church in America today, you have about 35% of the folks serving. And you have about 65% of the folks sitting on the deck of the pool watching other people swim. Whether that's because, you know, in the midst of COVID, we kind of got used to doing church, you know, comfortable on a couch and just never got back. In the midst of the pandemic, we had to, to step back for a season, you know, whether it was a pandemic or a time with our kids or whatever else, and we never got back. Whether it's we just never served in the first place, we got way more people sitting on the side of the pool than we have in there swimming. And as Peter begins, he's like, no, 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 this is for each of you. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're not serving, there is something out of alignment with your life and God's truth, and we got to deal with this. So, so Peter says, each of you, you should use whatever gift you have received to serve. As Peter continues, among other things, he wants you to understand, you have the very gifts God wants you to have in order to serve in the ways that God wants you to serve. See, when you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. And unlike some of your in-laws, the Holy Spirit is a good house guest. Can I get an amen, Percy? Thank you, right. Yeah. He doesn't come, he doesn't come empty-handed. He comes bearing spiritual gifts and more. And you've got, listen, you have the gifts he wants you to have in order to serve. I've heard people say, well, I don't know if I can serve. I'm just like, I'm not gifted like this person, and I'm not gifted like that person. It doesn't matter. You don't need to be gifted like Pastor James with this great big theological mind, right? You know, wisdom beyond your years. You don't need to be gifted like Pastor Laura where you can make children feel loved and welcome. You don't need to be gifted like our worship leader, Kat, with this amazing singing voice and dance moves that would make Shakira and J-Lo jealous. You just, you need to be gifted like you. God gifted you the way he wanted you to be gifted so that you could serve. And who is it that God has called you to serve? Others, it's right there. It's not your question. God's, God gifted you, you to serve others. Now, again, this, this is something that we struggle with in church today. So it's so easy. So often, we approach church from the idea of, like, how am I going to be the recipient of service? Instead of, how am I going to be a partner in it? So often, we're coming to church wanting to know, how am I going to get my needs met? How's the programming here? Like, what's it going to do for me and for my marriage and my kids and my family? So often, we, we approach church from the mindset of a consumer 
rather than a contributor. Oftentimes people will leave a church and you say, well, well, why did you leave that church? Well, I just wasn't getting anything out of it. I just wasn't getting anything out of it. It really wasn't meeting my needs. So often it's about, hey, what am I going to get? Now, I won't make you raise your hand. I won't make you confess this publicly. But I would encourage you to just stop and think. You ever been frustrated with your church because you couldn't consume the way you wanted to? You weren't getting what you wanted, when you wanted it, how you wanted it. You ever been frustrated because church wasn't giving you what you wanted? See, that's not what Jesus had in mind for his church. Jesus Jesus didn't leave the glory of heaven and come to earth to start a club for nice people. Jesus didn't minister here so, so that he could start another social group. Jesus did not go to the cross and die to create a society for the self absorbed. Jesus came to build his church, a community, a movement against which the gates of hell would not be able to stand. If we want to be frustrated with church, it shouldn't be about how my church isn't meeting my standards as a consumer. It should be about how my church isn't living into the mission that Jesus called us to partner with him in. But again, it's so easy to come with this mindset of a consumer rather than a contributor. How am I going to be the recipient instead of how am I going to be a partner? So Peter says, hey, hey, each of you, follower of Jesus, it's each of you. God's given you gifts to serve, but he gave you gifts to serve others. And then Peter tells us something incredible happens when we do that. That we become stewards of God's grace. Now we talked about this a little bit last week. Church is one of these places where we'll throw around these terms or these phrases and they, they sound really churchy. But then you're like, well, what does that mean? You're like, I don't know. It's what we say here, right? This can be one of those kind of you know, phrases. Like, what does it mean that you are a steward of God's grace? This term steward, it's not one that we use much anymore. Basically, it is someone who manages somebody else's resources on their behalf. So like if you have a financial manager, they manage your stocks, your bonds, your mutual funds on your behalf. It's your money, right? We're all clear. It's your money. They manage it on your behalf. Right? Here at Faith, we have a, a thing called the Compassion Fund. And the Compassion Fund is, is a fund that many of you have given very generously to, and it's there to help people in need in our congregation and people who are part of the community who come to the church for help. And as the pastors, that's not our money, but we are the stewards responsible to manage that fund. And so in an effort to try and make sure that we are managing those resources in a way that honors the, the, the sacrifice and the generosity was given, and when a request comes across our desk, we try and figure out, okay, is there a genuine need? Has somebody been irresponsible? Is somebody trying to take advantage of a compassionate community? Which happens. Like I had a request come across my desk, somebody asking that we pay their rent. Not a little bit of rent, like we pay a lot bit of their rent. And it wasn't somebody who came to church here. And so I was like, I don't even know what's going on. So I started digging. And one of the things I did to dig was I called the apartment manager. And I just said, hey, this is who I am. This is what's going on. Do you have any insight for me? 
And the apartment manager said to me, do not pay their rent. What? (laughs) Every apartment manager I know, the only thing they care about is rent being paid. Why would you tell me that? They said, listen, I have seen this person get a different church to pay their rent every month for the last six months. They are just taking advantage. Don't pay their rent. To just throw money around without investigating, that's bad stewardship. Pastor James, if he pays for his next hunting expedition out of the Compassion Fund, that's bad stewardship. If your financial manager uses your money to pay their mortgage, that's bad stewardship. If if the gifts are all about serving me, that's bad stewardship. It's about serving others. But when I serve others, I become a steward. I get to manage the resource of God's grace on his behalf. When when somebody is using their gifts to serve others, they become a conduit through which the grace of God pours out of heaven and into the lives of other people in a number of different ways. Whereas this translation says, God's grace in its various forms. So give you some examples of what we're talking about. Faith Kids. Listen to me. Faith Kids is not glorified child care. They are are seeking to change the eternity of young people and disciple the next generation. So, So like this summer past, Faith Kids hosted a vacation Bible school. We had 140 kids here, had a host of volunteers working with those kids, trying to serve them. And Monday through Friday, you have this thing going on. Friday night, we had the block party. And one of my jobs at the block party is to try and connect with as many people as I possibly can. And I sat down with this family that they don't go to church here, but their kids came to VBS. And one of their kids was a foster child. We'll call her Jill. She was at VBS. Jill had no kind of church background whatsoever. And they were so excited because Tuesday, Jill comes home and all she can do is talk about this Jesus guy who she's been hearing about at VBS. Wednesday, somebody gave Jill a Bible and all she did from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday was when she was at home, she's reading this Bible. Her family was so excited to see what is God going to do next in Jill's lives. As people were using their gifts, they were pouring the grace of God into this child's life. Or really simple, like on a Sunday, I will watch my friend Miss Shirley greet at the front door, work at the welcome station. I'll watch my friends Bob and Marilyn work at the cafe. Those folks, folks who are on those teams, what they are doing in a very simple but in a way that has a profound impact is they are trying to create a context so that when people walk in the door, they know where to go, what to do, and they're comfortable. And that, that can make all the difference between whether or not a person experiences truly what we hope they would experience here on a Sunday. I, and I've seen it work poorly, and I've seen it work well. Like, I, before those systems were in place and, and really working well, I, we had a couple show up at church for the first time. They're out in the parking lot. There's no signs. There's no direction. There's no people. So you do what you do. You follow the crowd. And they follow the crowd into the west entrance, which will get you in the building, but won't necessarily get you where you need to go. And again, there's nobody there to give them direction, help them figure out how to do this whole thing, how to navigate it. And so they just follow the crowd. And the next thing they know, they realize, we're in kids' church, and we don't have kids. Right? 
So like, like best case scenario, somebody's going to figure this out. We're just going to look and feel stupid. Worst case scenario, somebody's going to figure this out and think we're creepers trying to abduct children out of church, right? That's, that's not the experience you want somebody to have the first time they come to church. That's likely to cause it to be the last time they come to church. Because what happens when somebody comes to church for the first time, they're trying to figure out where do I go, what do I do, and how do I keep from looking and feeling stupid? There's all kinds of anxiety and fear that comes with being at church for the first time. And if you don't believe me, go someplace different that you've never been by yourself next weekend and see how you feel. And I can say that because I'm not going to be here next weekend, right? doesn't matter if there's nobody here. You know, James can deal with that, right? But seriously, though, visit a church for the first time by yourself. It's frightening. Right? But I've watched, again, I've watched this work well. I've watched our greeters at the front door catch somebody who comes in with that, I'm at, the, I'm at church for the first time look. And it's really easy. It's kind of like this. And they're trying to figure out, where do I go? What do I do? How do I not make a fool of myself? And I'll watch a greeter, when they're really clicking, they'll say to them, hey, have I met you before? Oh, it's your first time here at church? Let, let me, coffee's right here. If you have too much coffee, bathrooms are right around this corner. You can check your kids in if you've got them right here. Worship center's right there. And you just watch the anxiety go. Ooh. Well, I've watched some of our, our, our regular people. They will spot somebody who's new and by themselves, and they'll sit with that person in church so they don't have to sit by themselves the first time they're here. Or I'll watch somebody, you know, like come out of the sanctuary and I'll watch somebody who's regular. There's somebody I don't know and they'll walk over. And again, so simple. Hey, have we met? How, how, how long have you been coming? How'd you hear about it? This is what's coming up next. You're a lady. There's this, there's this you know, AR workshop thing. Why don't you come to it? See, when somebody knows what to do and where to go and their anxiety goes down, you get a cup of coffee in their hand that they can hide behind and they'll stick around and maybe meet somebody, right? Then they're likely to experience what we hope they would experience on a Sunday morning. That they, that they would interact with God's people and they would sense God's spirit and they would hear God's truth. When I'm all wound up and I'm afraid and then I do something that makes me look and feel foolish, I'm not going to experience those things. People serving on those teams are administering God's grace in its various forms. You have the Congregational Care Commission. They're way behind the scenes. They are amazing. Somebody has, somebody has a loss, they will send them a physical card. Like Nobody does that. But when you get one, it's, it's on a whole nother level than a text. Like, or somebody has a baby or somebody loses a loved one, they'll make sure meals are going to that person's house if, if, you, know, if you let us feed you. Some of you are really resistant to letting us feed you. I don't know what your problem is, right? But they'll make sure their meal's coming. If there are shut-ins who cannot physically be here at church, they will go and bring the church to them. And visit them throughout the week. If someone's lost a loved one and they do the memorial or the funeral here, they will, if, you, if, if the family's open to it, they will take care of the luncheon. 
I'm telling you right now, if you've lost a loved one, not to have to worry about the love, you know, the, the luncheon as you're trying to figure out how we're going to get our, our loved ones remains taken care of and the, the service, that is huge. They are administering God's grace in its various forms. Whether you're talking about these ministries, folks who are working with our students, people who are leading worship on Sunday, folks who are pushing knobs, you know, making the, the lights and the sound and the video all work, these are people using their gifts and they are stewarding God's grace. See, here's, here's the bottom line. When you use your gift, when you serve here, we are better for it. Because God has uniquely wired you as an individual. And there are aspects of his grace we only get to experience through you serving and using your gifts. We are better when we are serving together. And when folks don't use their gifts, when folks are not serving, we all lose. Because there's a unique aspect of God's grace we were meant to experience through you and that we don't get when you're not serving. So Peter says to us, hey, you're a follower of Jesus. Each of you use whatever gift you have received to serve others as you faithfully act as stewards of God's grace. Now, before we talk about some next steps, I need to say thank you. Because there are so many of you here who faithfully, faithfully serve. I cannot thank you enough for the ways that you are administering, you are stewarding God's grace as part of this community of faith. And not only am I grateful for you, but I'm excited for you as well. You see, Every one of us who's a follower of Jesus, someday we are going to stand before Jesus and give an accounting of how we spent the one and only lives he entrusted us with. How we stewarded the gifts that he blessed us with. And those of you who are serving faithfully, you can look forward to that day with a sense of anticipation and excitement. That's going to be a day of celebration for you. So, Thank you, and I'm excited for you. But for those of you who, like, this is your church home. You're a follower of Jesus, and you're not serving. My question is, why not? Because Peter's saying, hey, if this is your church, and you're not living into this, there's something out of alignment with your life and God's truth. So why not? Somebody offended me. I don't, I'm not serving with those people anymore. Nope. I, gotta, I just fell out of that. I never got back into it. Okay, let's get back into it. Never done that before. Let's do it for the first time. I'm not gifted. Nah. No, you're gifted just the way God wants you to be. So if you're, if you're not serving, we want to help you. We want to help you serve right here at church. And I know some of you are thinking, well, I can serve in places and it doesn't have to be church. True. But church is one of the places where you should serve. And this is the place where we can help you do that. So out in the lobby, after service, we're going to host a ministry fair. And, and the idea is really simple. You have a number of different ministries that make Sunday morning go. You can sign up and do a first serve with one of those ministries. And the first serve is really very simple. You are, you are agreeing to work alongside of a veteran in that ministry one time. 
One time. If it's a good fit, you can keep serving regularly. If it's not a good fit, you're off the hook. Right? You're not signing in blood. You're not signing up for life. Right? So if you do a first serve in faith kids and you get back there and you discover, I cannot stand children. One time, you're off the hook. Right? But this goes both ways. So if you do a first serve with the, ministry, you know, the worship team and we hear you sing and you sound like a cat trapped in a blender, one time, all right, you're done, okay? But you, you're going to sign up, you're going to serve one time. If it's a good fit, you can continue to serve regularly. If it's not a good fit, that's okay. You can find something different until you find a good fit. And, and listen, if you're, you're at home right now and you're watching this, and you're like, well, I can't be in the, in the lobby to sign up for a first serve, fill out your connection card. Fill it out digitally, submit the thing. We will get a hold of you this week and help you figure out where you can serve. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, this is an all swim. Put on your suit, get in the pool, use the gifts that God has given you to steward his grace. Now, before we finish, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're sitting there and you're going, well, does that mean I can't serve here? No. No, that is not what that means. You can serve here too. Because as the Swanson said, the church should be a place where we can belong even before we believe. Now, are there places where you have to be a follower of Jesus to serve? Yes. But there are way more where you can be on either side of the line of faith. Where There are all kinds of places. There are more places where you can serve even before you figured this Jesus thing out. So please, we would love you to have go out there. Sign up for first serve. Sign up for a bunch of them. Try them out. Figure out a place that's going to be good for you. Now, we're going to wrap things up as we worship. But before we do, we're going to pray. And if you've been tracking with us for this series, and as we've been talking about this idea of life together with Jesus or life apart from Jesus, if, if you've, something's clicked for you, or you figured out, you know what, I've been doing life in isolation from Jesus I need to do it with him. As we pray, I would invite you to just pray silently with me and begin that relationship. John expresses the way that relationship begins like this. He says, if we will confess our sins, God is faithful, he is just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so today, if you're ready to have that kind of conversation with God, we're going to pray together I just want to invite you to pray silently with me before we continue. Father, thank you just for the way that you send your spirit into us, bearing gifts for us to use to serve others. Father, thank you just in your wisdom that I don't always understand. You have made this community a place where we can experience your grace as we serve together. Father, help us to grab a hold of that opportunity fully. Father, for some of us today, we've just realized we're better together with Jesus. And so we just we confess we have sinned, we have done things that we should not have done, we have not done things we should have. Father, forgive us, please. Not because we've done anything to deserve it. Forgive us because you are faithful 
and you send Jesus, you were just. And he died to make right what we made wrong. We could not. We were powerless to fix ourselves. Father, we want to put our faith in his life, his death, his resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.